The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today, I have a very special guest. All my guests are special, but yet again, a very special guest who I consider and many around the world consider an absolute scholar in the New Thought Movement and in the Unity Movement, the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. How are you doing there, Paul? Hey there, Galen. Is that me you're talking yeah, about? That's, that's you. You're the scholar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for that that warm introduction. Uh, no boy, I don't think of myself that way, but I guess that's probably a good thing. Well, yeah, you know, it, let let other people give you your flowers, and you know, you you have all the time in the world to give yourself your own flowers. Let us give you some flowers sometimes, because I okay, believe in I, acknowledging the great work you have done uh, in the New Thought movement, in the Unity movement, and helping people understand uh, the principles that we espoused. And as I've said to you before, and when you were on the show the previous time, you also are pushing the conversation forward, which I think is important because, you know, sometimes in religion and in life, we only look backwards. We don't look forward instead of allowing yeah. the past to inform us so we can come up with new creative ways to recognize how divine mind is working through us and continuing to unfold in us. Sometimes we just say, okay, somebody else's revelation is it. And we don't need to have any more conversations. And I consider you one of the main people who continue to push the conversation of unity, new thought, Christian metaphysics, and metaphysics in general forward. So I appreciate the work you do, and I just want to make sure that I just publicly acknowledge it. Well, well thank you. And I think it's, uh, I think it's important we, we uh, question those answers that our founders came up with. Uh, they might have been answers appropriate for their time, but maybe not for our time. And look, if Jesus is a role model, if Charles is a Charles Fillmore is a role model, model if if Myrtle Fillmore is a role model, what did they model? They modeled questioning other people's answers. So Myrtle and Charles weren't Christian scientists, were they? And no. and that and that was that was the basis of their study. 
And so they questioned those answers, and they came up with their own answers for their time. And that's what I think we are called to do. So what I say is I, uh, I can share with you Charles Fillmore's opinion. I can share with you the opinion from A Course in Miracles. And friends, there's a third opinion in the, in the mix, and that's Paul Hasselbeck's. Yes, yes. I, I believe you were friends with uh, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumkin. I, I well, you know. I didn't know her well. I just okay. met her is all, all I can claim. Yeah, she used to say to me all the time, I would ask her a bunch of questions when I was still studying to become a minister, and I would show up and, you know, asking her all of these biblical questions. You know, I read Bishop John Shelby Spong wrote this, and Marcus Borg wrote that, and John Dominique Crossan wrote this, and, uh, you know, Dr. Rocco Erico wrote that. And she would say, okay, now what do you think, Galen? And I yes. always remember that because I never allow myself just to rest with, yes. okay, somebody said this. Okay, now that I've taken the information, what is the opinion that I've formed based upon, obviously, several factors? I'm just not pulling an opinion out of a hat. But right. it was always to make me think for myself. And I think that that's the most important gift we can give in the New Thought Movement. Can you learn how to think for yourself? Agreed. Agreed. Yes. So, so Paul, today we're going to talk about a book that you co-wrote with William M. Heller called Unity and A Course in Miracles. And I wanted to talk about this particular subject because A Course in Miracles is so popular in the New Thought Movement. I actually know many Unity ministers, Science of Mind ministers, UFBO ministers who really swear by A Course in Miracles. And and many of them teach it in their churches, even though there are some things that are similar and some things that are not similar in in our theologies. So I wanted to have this conversation with you because once I discovered this book many years ago, when I ain't gonna say super many years ago, you wrote it like four or five years ago, but I bought it as soon as it came out. Um, Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because I think it's an important conversation to have so we can understand what is the unity theology, the Christian metaphysics that Charles and Myrtle Fillmore espoused, and what is A Course in Miracles? So could you, can we just start with a baseline of understanding what A Course in Miracles is versus, I don't want to say versus, in contrast to unity metaphysics? Well, sure. And and in my opinion, The Course in Miracles espouses what we might call another flavor of new thought. Um, people who study A Course in Miracles may not agree with that, but since, since a lot of its teachings are in alignment with new thought teachings, I, I, you just have to put it in that same basket. And A Course in Miracles is very distinct in some ways because it was believed to be channeled by one person, Helen Shookman. And she believed that she was channeling Jesus. And so we end up with another flavor of new thought that is based on Jesus and references the Bible. And even though it does what all the other new thought people have done, it takes the Bible and then puts its own twist on it. So I shouldn't even say even though, because that makes it like, uh, the other flavors of new thought, of uh, reinterpreting scripture for our times. And it, it's quite a body of work when you considered it was 
quote unquote channeled and authored by by one person and um I have to say, this was my major introduction back into spirituality in the mid-1980s. I had taken a hiatus from traditional Christianity, and I didn't know it was New Thought at the time. And and then it became my doorway into unity, and then unity a doorway into um, religious science and into, and into divine science, and to a certain extent, extent um, Christian science. So, so it's a book. It's in three parts. There's a workbook, uh, which I think is key to really getting the um, the change a person wants. There, of course, is the text, and then there's another third smaller portion called the teacher's manual. And that manual is not just for teachers, because the in a in a traditional sense of teachers, because of course teachers we are teachers and students to each other. So we're all teachers. Yes, yes. So when I uh, first got involved with the New Thought movement, some New Thought people that I studied with wanted to make sure that they made it clear, uh, created a clear difference between what they considered channeled work, like A Course of Miracles, and I would use the term for lack of terms, inspired work, but was still considered or had a human element like, you know, most religions like New Thought, Unity, UFBL, Science of Mind, uh, Divine Science, et cetera. Um, where do you, how do you, how do you, when you are working with people with the Course of Miracles, uh, discuss how people, uh, some people who are very fundamentalist about this is Jesus talking to Helen, giving her dictation. How do you handle that conversation? Well, I handle it um, in two ways. Number one, I think I think we have to respect Helen Shookman's perspective, and and she believes she channeled it. She believes Jesus was talking to her. And I don't, when someone says they're having XYZ experience, it is not helpful to say, well, Helen, no, you're not. Okay? However, yeah. on the other hand, looking at the body of, mirror, of material and, and, and what it contains, there are several things that are, I'm not going to say unique, to Helen, that are about Helen. So first of all, it came in English, and Jesus didn't speak English. Now, if we think Jesus is God, and we think Jesus is a superhuman, then Jesus could speak any language he wanted. The other thing is, it comes in blank prose, like Shakespearean uh, material, like, like how Shakespeare wrote, and guess what? Helen loved the works of Shakespeare. The material comes in a teaching format. Guess what? Helen was a teacher. And the material comes in a very psychological format or nature. Guess what? Helen was a psychologist, a PhD. So the material 
reflects major components of who Helen was. So while I honor Helen's experience, I think of it more as inspired work. And listen, I've had interdictation, and I used to attribute it to other people. Now I just simply call it inspired from my higher self. Mm -hmm. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I actually have the same opinion that, you know, I, I know that I've been given lessons, sermons, counseling sessions where I was told something very directly, exact words, and I just wrote it down the way I got it. Um, it, it you know, I, I think sometimes people are looking for something, some outer authority, which is not what unity or Course of Miracles teaches. We teach that the presence and power is within us. So I want to get a little bit into the book because I want to make sure that I maximize the time that I have with you. So the first thing I want to discuss with um, with you is the the unity's viewpoint about God, a course of miracles viewpoint about God, which is really uh, chapter two and chapter three in your book. Um, can yeah. you discuss? God from a unity standpoint and God from a course of miracles. It's all, it's, it's extremely close, but I just wanted your opinion. Yeah. So, so I'm these days, Galen, I just boil it down. Uh, and, and more for simplicity, we, we can get into the, um, into the details. However, fundamentally, unity defines God as capital M mind. Not a being, not an entity, not a deity. And the Course in Miracles does exactly the same thing. It says, God is mind. And, and anywhere else you go with that are, are just the details, the weeds, so to speak. But that, that's the fundamental idea in both works. Got it, got it. Well, when, I remember when I first started reading A Course in Miracles in the 90s, um, and I was working with the workbook, one of the, I believe it was one of the first or the several of the first uh, lessons really stood out to me. And it was, I'm never upset for the reason I think. And I thought, you know, that in and of itself, the work of that statement really touched me. Um, when you start studying the course, what stood out to you in particular? Well, so so that's an important one. And until I understood psychology, I didn't really quite grasp it like I do today. I'm not upset for the reason I think. Well, what are the reasons people are upset? They're, they're you made me angry, or or that country makes me angry or this situation makes me angry. It's all outer stuff that we think is causing an inner experience. And the truth is that outer stuff is happening, but it's me who's making up the response or the reaction. So I'm not upset because you said something nasty to me. I'm upset because of the perception I create within me. 
of what you said about me. Absolutely. And, and, and what that does, it brings us to a magnificent point of power. And that I call radical self-responsibility. And, and if you cannot make me angry and I'm the one doing it myself, then I can make myself unangry. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to wait for you to stop being who you are towards me. Yes, yes. Another idea that really stood out to me, and it's taught in the unity movement as well, uh, because like you, I'm, my foundation is Charles and Myrtle Fillmore of metaphysics that are taught by unity, because UFBL and unity teach the same basic theology. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me the way they said it was, and I'm, I have to paraphrase it because I don't remember it verbatim now, is uh, it was an exercise of meaning. And you look around the room, this pen has only, only the meaning I give it. This, you yes. know, These curtains are, have only the meaning that I give it. And it was the idea to help us understand that regardless of what we're perceiving, yes. we're giving it meaning. In and of itself, it has no meaning. Um, did, 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 did you explain a little bit more about that concept? Yeah, so... Uh... Actually, I can remember when I was doing that exercise the first time, it felt ridiculous. That (laughs) book has no meaning. That wall has no meaning. But here again, when we go back to the psychology of it, isn't it true? We give everything a meaning. We are meaning makers. We are creators. We're creating meanings of of everything. And, And one of the biggest teachings is related to the same thing, which is uh, the world you see is not the real world. Well, a lot of time that's taken that the physical world doesn't exist. And look, there are places in A Course in Miracles that pretty much say that. But, but the world I see is not the world as it is. It's the world as I am taking a quote from Eric Butterworth. We see everything based on how we are, on, on our beliefs and, and the way in which we perceive things. So the world I see is not literally the physical world that exists. In fact, I can't see the physical world as it really exists because it's always being filtered by my internal filters which are my thoughts, ideas, beliefs, images, etc. And and that puts a very different twist on things. And again, it gets back to this radical responsibility, doesn't it? Yes, what I yes. see, what I perceive, I'm responsible for. You're not. Now yes. that's not to let people off the off the hook either. If 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 someone is doing something to you they're doing something to you and, and maybe they need to, to um, have consequences for that. But how I'm perceiving it is what I'm doing to me. And that's how we get into the whole realm of, of victim consciousness. And of course, the, the, the course teaches I'm not a victim of the world I see. Okay. And that's because the world I see I'm making up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, often um, 
when, you know, many years ago when I first started teaching uh, at Christ Universal Temple in the Institute, and um, I would talk to people about the, the Garden of Eden story, and I would say, okay, Adam is the thinker. You know, the, the Lord God brings all of the animals and says, whatever you name it, that's what it is. <laughs> whatever yep. name or nature you give a thing, that's yep. what it is to you. And just, yes. you know, and I think that, you know, those those ideas correspond in unity and in A Course in Miracles, because I think it makes a difference. Um, one well, of the things that I do want to ask you about, and I just want to just remind her that we have a break in probably about six minutes, um, okay. is the concept of the ego as taught in the course of miracles, because the ego was brought up a lot. Um, um, Could you explain how the course of miracles deals with the ego, maybe in contrast to how unity uh, teaches sense consciousness, for instance? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Um, So first of all, what we wrote in the book about the ego with my co-author, Reverend Bill Heller, what, what was, was probably um, the most difficult material for us to write together as a team because we had some contrasting views. So in A Course in Miracles, the vast majority of the material is about how bad the ego is. But there are a couple places, and I wish I'd looked them up, and I didn't. There are a couple places that indicate that the ego really isn't all bad. But, but it comes off from, from A Course in Miracles and from many teachings that the ego's our enemy and, and we're supposed to eradicate it. I am relieved to say Charles Fillmore was, uh, I just would call it more enlightened than most, because he recognized the ego or the personality is a synonym for that, uh, has both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and the bad stuff he calls the adverse ego. So what's the adverse ego? The adverse ego is a bag of beliefs that fundamentally lead, lead us away from the awareness of our innate divinity. Mm-hmm. But that isn't all the ego is. And... And how does it get that way? Well, this is a connection to sense consciousness. So let's talk about sense consciousness. First of all, what is consciousness? Consciousness is is made up of three components. It's made up of awareness. It's made up of arousal or the ability to take action. And it's made up of motivation. And those three things are, are fundamental when we talk about consciousness. And I'm getting this from hard science. So if we, if, if we do sense consciousness, then what is that? It's awareness based on what our senses are telling us. Well, what our senses are telling us is just data coming in, and then what happens? We're back to we create a perception of that data coming in, and we lead ourselves astray because until we wake up, we're not aware that, that we are the meaning makers. Yes. And so that ego, our belief system that's negative, is based on a negative interpretation of that, of that data. But Charles said 
The ego is the I. And because of its divinity, it can make and remake itself as it wills. That is a fundamental distinction. And, and that's where I, I get the idea that we are fully divine and fully human, where our humanity is made up of our personality or our ego plus our bodies. Yes. There you go. That makes, that makes great sense. That makes great sense. We have a, um, a couple of uh, minutes before we have to take our break, so I want to make sure that people, if you want to call in after the break, you can. The number is 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. I'm talking to the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck, the co-author of Unity and A Course in Miracles. We're discussing the similarities and the differences in unity and A Course in Miracles. If you have ever had questions about A Course in Miracles and you, I'm not just going to say you're going to get the answer because nobody has the answer, but if you want some insight, I think that this will be a great opportunity to make sure that you get this information. Uh, Paul, could you let people know where they can get the book and how they can get in contact with you as well? Okay, so you can get in contact with me to through my email address, alberthasselbeck at gmail.com, alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. And you can find the book on Amazon. It's both available in paperback and digital. And I believe Unity, Unity is carrying it, but I haven't gotten an order, an order from them for a while, so I'm thinking maybe they're not. But Amazon's the quickest and easiest way. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to do a quick commercial before we, uh, for this last minute before we go to break. Just want to remind you that you can touch base with Christ Universal Temple at our website, which is cutemple.org. The letter C U, the word temple together. dot org. We're having an outdoor service. We have we're in service three days. Well, this is the last outdoor service of the year, but we're in service. You know every week but the out but the fourth sunday and this is the last fourth sunday we're going to do it uh have outdoor service so if, if you're in the chicagoland area and you've been weary about going into a church building we build a stage on the parking lot we're going to be you know we're going to give you good music good sermon i'm one of the people who will be uh teaching that day or preaching that day uh prayer music everything you normally would get just pull your cars up pull your lawn chairs out uh, we have a gigantic parking lot. We can get hundreds of cars in our parking lot. Come and worship with us. You will have a great time. I want to remind you about our Facebook Live lessons, uh, which we have on our page, Christ Universal Temple. Uh, and I want to remind you on a, uh, that you can watch our live stream of our service every Sunday on YouTube at our on our YouTube page, CU Temple, or on our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple. We'll be right back with True Transforms. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. 
welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have as my guest today the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck, who is the author of many books, but we're talking about today uh, his book, Unity and A Course in Miracles. And before we get back into the uh, some or get to some new points, uh, Paul, you said you wanted to share um, so a little bit of extra clarity on one of the points that you mentioned earlier. Yes, yes. So I, I always like to refer people to quotes, especially if I know I didn't quote it exactly right, but I had the content right. So the definition of the ego is found in the revealing word, one of the compilations of materials uh, accredited to Charles Fillmore. So you, you just get the revealing word. It's like a dictionary. You look up ego. And by the way, right after the entry for the ego is the definition for the adverse ego. And then there's a third definition, ego, spiritual ego, which is essentially our divinity, the true self, the I am, all, all those uh, jargon words we, we have within unity. I also want to share um, a few things. First of all, I have a weekly blog where Unity has given me permission to um, rewrite the Sunday's daily word into more uh, absolute language. And you can find that at paulhasselbeck.com, which is my website, paulhasselbeck.com. And, and it's a free subscription. I send it out usually on Monday, sometimes as late as Wednesday. Then I have my podcast, which I co-host with the Reverend Doctors Bill and Cher Holton. Uh, we call it the. We we are we are having a discussion around the virtual kitchen table, and that's at metaphysicalromp2.com. Metaphysicalromp2.com. And finally, you asked me to share about what I'm currently working on. I'm working on a tenth book. It's called Use the Truth You Know, Unity's Laws and Rules of Mind. Unity's Laws and Rules of Mind. It's a companion book to Use the Truth You Know, Unity's Principles and Premises. And I got to tell you, uh, when I decided to write these two books, I didn't know the tiger I was, whose tail I was grabbing. But yeah. uh, it's been a challenge and it's been a growth process. And so uh, I enjoy writing, but sometimes <laughs> it's like... Uh, Swimming through Jello. Yes, yes. It's um, you know, one of the things that uh, I compared this type of work to is uh, the movie The Matrix. I don't know if you've ever seen The Matrix before. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you take the red pill, you don't know what you've really done. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so the analogy to that, another way to look at it. Until, until we realize we are the meaning makers and that the world we see is not the real world because we are creating a perception of it, but we're blaming it on si outside of ourselves, we have taken the red pill. Yeah. Because yeah. we're, we're, li we're living in a, a misperception. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I actually think that the Matrix is one of the the best metaphysical books. I mean, movies I've ever seen. I've I I had to convince people initially, and I don't want to just sidetrack on the Matrix, but I remember when the movie came out, and I went to see it because I just thought it was going to be a good action movie. And then, well, as I was watching it, my metaphysical thinking mind kicked in and said, "Well, wait a minute, this is more than meets the eye." 
Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's and almost like for those who have the eyes to see, right? Yes, yes. And I had to convince people to watch the movie because, you know, uh, and I don't have a problem with action movies and, you know, those type of movies where people are action and, and, and you know, and fighting and things and kung fu and all of that stuff. But I do know that yeah. some people in religious circles don't like those movies. And I had to convince people, no, you need to watch this movie. Trust yeah. me. It's not what you yeah. think. This movie. And I said, and more importantly, nothing in this movie is more violent than some of the stuff you read in the book of Judges and Joshua in the Bible. But that's a different <laughs> conversation for another day. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my friend. We, we are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> I just, it and, just, and most it people just... don't know that 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 uh, I I wish I had the quote pulled up, but but Charles Fillmore said, I think sometimes we have to quit quote, quoting the Bible so much. Yeah. Now that is a shocking statement um, to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So so I, I want to get back into the book, uh, uh, the chapter in particular on uh, chapter nine, which is healing consciousness, establishing wholeness. And I want to have a discussion around the term miracle because unity uses the term miracle. And then A Course in Miracles actually has miracle in the title. So what yeah. is the contrast between miracle is taught by unity and miracle is taught by A Course in Miracles? Okay, so this is such an important question, Galen. Because there's, there's what it is on the face of it, and then there's what it is. Uh, in other words, if we look at how Course in Miracles defines a miracle, then is there something parallel in unity? And that's exactly what happens. So in, in the Course in Miracles, a miracle is defined uh, as a, ship, a shift in perception. And it's really a shift in perception from from a limited view to a higher, um, let's call it a divine view, seeing through the eyes of our higher self. And in unity, a miracle is exactly how miracle is used in most Christian churches. It's referring to those, those miracles of Jesus. And then, of course, Charles Myrtle defined that a little differently. So Charles and Myrtle didn't think that uh, the miracles of Jesus were some sort of magic act. They believed Jesus was aware of principles and laws that we're not currently aware of. However, if we got aware of them, we could use them to do exactly what Jesus did. So, Course in Miracles is talking about a shift in perception when you use the word miracle, and unity is talking about uh, changing the water into wine, uh, mm -hmm. Jesus walking on the water, Jesus raising the dead, talking about those sorts of miracles. Now, if we look at the definition of A Course in Miracles, which is a change in perception, that is exactly the definition for forgiveness in unity. Because what is forgiveness in, in unity? Well, so forgiveness is when I'm holding something against you, an unforgiveness against you, Galen, it's because of 
how I'm choosing to see you, my perception. The Galen I see is not the real Galen. It's a Fig Newton of my imagination. And so in unity, forgiveness is when we change that erroneous perception for a divine perception, seeing you as divine, focusing on your divinity and not on your humanity. And so both teachings have, a, have an identical teaching given different names. Right, and actually, right. in, in other places, Course in Miracles defines forgiveness just like I did. But yes, it yes. was called a course in forgiveness. Maybe you wouldn't have had. Uh, maybe that isn't cool enough sounding. Let's say. Let's say that. Oh yeah, without a doubt, and I don't think it would would be as popular because once people start hearing about the word forgiveness, they automatically start to go to what I would call the preliminary early stages of forgiveness, as is taught. You know, people like they're letting people off the hook, or yeah. they're they're. Um, they're giving allowance to improper conduct. And as yes. we teach it yes. in our movement, you know, forgiveness is, is again, changing your perception, changing the way you think about it. And I just, yes. and, and Paul, just, I use a funny example just to help people understand that forgiveness is choosing your own wholeness only. Yeah. Yep. And I just tell them that forgiveness is the liquid plumber of the soul. Like you're, you're, you're clogging up. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> You are. You are. Absolutely. So, so my, defi my definition of forgiveness is forgiveness happens within me when I'm willing to let go of everything I've added to your divinity. Yeah. And, and what I've added to your divinity are my misperceptions based on, guess what? We're back to sense consciousness. Yes, yes. Yes. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the development of consciousness because unity uses denials and affirmations, prayer, you know, affirmative prayer in particular, denials, affirmations, affirmative prayer, which is really affirmation, uh, and, uh, you know, meditation, sitting in the silence's primary methods of practice. Yep. Um, can you talk about the how that shows up in unity in contrast to A Course in Miracles? Well, I think you just handled unity in a really, really uh, quick and easy, understandable way. So I'm going to let what you said stand. Okay. And so I'll talk about A Course in Miracles. So The Course in Miracles teaches about the importance of prayer. And the highest form of prayer found in a supplemental book, uh, a supplemental uh, publication called The Song of Prayer, the highest form of prayer is meditation. And the Course does also teach about meditation. Not a lot, but it's there. Now, when we get to the workbook, the workbook is a master work of denials and affirmations. That's a, if, you, if you look at those um, summary statements at the beginning of, of every lesson, it's either an affirmation or a denial, and I can't remember, but probably both for some. Yes. So, so look, it makes sense. New thought is basically, I call it, a 
a spiritual psychological philosophy or a spiritual philosophy. A Course in Miracles is a, a spiritual psychological philosophy. And so <laughs> the tools have to be identical pretty much. Now, now why the, so I think the, the, to get the maximum out of both, Unity and the Course in Miracles, is at the minimum a person should do the 365 lessons in a Course in Miracles because it, um, in a, a very gentle way, though if you do those lessons, you will shift your perception and the way you see things. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you believe what you're reading. You just have to do it. And the reason for that is it's the way the mind works. And, and unity teaches the same thing as denials and affirmations. And prayer. However, there is not a systematic way to do it. Right. Okay? And so in, in the lessons in The Course in Miracles, you basically have a system that's undoing the negative or adverse ego while supporting uh, your Christ nature, your divinity. Unity focuses more on bringing forth our divinity through denial and affirmation, denying, giving no power, giving no importance to, to erroneous beliefs while taking on ones to replace it that are better. And then, of course, we have the 12 powers, which is a system we can use in our consciousness to raise our consciousness. So unity's focus is more on your divinity, where right. where Course in Miracles is more in undoing your ego thought system, so you can see how well they can be worked together. Well, one of the things that um, I often noticed when, as I was studying A Course in Miracles and in my early days of New Thought was finding the balance between um, being in, too impersonal and allowing um, the, the the impersonal principle to have the flavor of compassion. The way I say it, Paul, is sometimes when you remove the compassionate teachings like the Jesus's teachings on love away from metaphysics, sometimes it can come across cold. Um, how have you, have you bumped into that issue with you or your students, and how do you deal with it? Well, so I bumped in it, into it with my students all the time because in order to teach metaphysics, it, it, it has to be intellectual at some level. But, yes. but the, the intellect isn't the whole story. And, and we, I do focus a lot on, on teaching principle and law. The, and, and here, Galen, the Course in Miracles gives the most exquisite solution to the problem. So in the text, and I'll give the reference, it's in chapter 17, section 7, paragraph 4. The text, chapter 17, section 7, paragraph 4. And I carry this with me all the time. Only what you have not given can be lacking in any situation. I'll repeat that because it is mm. deep. Only what you have not given can be lacking in any situation. 
So when I'm perceiving perception and law as not compassionate and not as loving all that, it's what I have not given it, given it, and it's not how I've been using it. A lot of people don't know some of the most impactful quotes from Charles Fillmore uh, that, and look, Fillmore does say God loves you in places. <laughs> and I'll say God loves him, all right? But a lot of people don't know he said some pretty shocking things. He says in um, Jesus Christ Heal, God is not loving. What? Right. God is not loving. God is love. God is the principle of love, you say, the great heart of the universe and of man, from which is drawn forth all feeling, sympathy, and emotion, and all that goes to make up the joys of existence. Yet God does not love anybody or anything. God is the love in everybody and everything. So he, he makes the point that that God is this principle of love, and you and I are the ones responsible for using it to be compassionate and loving and considerate and kind and offer grace and all of those things. Yes, yes. Uh, and by the way, um, I, I love that book. Well, I love all of Charles Fillmore's books, but I love that book. One of the quotes that I remember when I was teaching uh, the book Prosperity and we ran across the book, the quote, it's a sin to be poor. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because you know something that can trigger people. But his you know what? was so think, proper. Go ahead, please. So I, I've wondered about that. And I've decided Charles did that to be in people's face yeah. because how did Charles define sin right. as error? If he yeah. wrote that being poor is an error, it wouldn't have impacted people in the same way. And to get them questioning their unquestioned beliefs. It's yes. an error to be poor in the sense that, in the, in the sense that you are the principle of abundance right where you are. And in fact, your body and your mind demonstrate abundance 24-7. Yes. And yes. So, so you are abundant, and it's an error to think that you're not. And, and it's always important, I'm sure you do this, to remind things, that these teachings are about consciousness, not right. about outer things. That can yes. come. But if you haven't cleaned up your consciousness, you ain't going to get nowhere. And you know, so it's kind of it's funny. Um, I believe, I don't know if that's in the, I can't remember if that's in the first or second chapter of Prosperity, but just a quick one-minute story, Paul. So I was on, um, you know, sometimes you, as a preacher, you just walk, you watch other people in church services on TV just to see what they're teaching. And uh, I was watching uh, Dr. Leroy Thompson. I'll say his name because he he actually taught it. Uh, I was listening to him, and I'm realizing that I know every word he, he he's saying, and I can anticipate it. So I ran downstairs cool. to my office, 
got the book Prosperity, opened up the first chapter, and he was preaching the first chapter of the book Prosperity as if it was Holy Spirit revelation, <laughs> word for word. I love that. That is really good. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't care how our teachings get out yeah. there. I care. Exactly. I care about them getting getting out there. And you know, and there is a wonderful quote, by the way, by Eric Butterworth. He said, God is spirit, present in its entirety. Let me say that again. Present in its entirety at every point in space at the same time. That's a mind blower. Yes. And, And what that says is you can't be in lack consciousness unless you choose to be because every principle and every law is present at every point in space all at the same time so how many points in space is your physical body for example yes yes well look at that yeah look at that that is so important for us to know Yes, yes. Well, even 50 trillion cells. If we just look at the body, not as how we perceive it, but it's 50. I call the body a colony of 50 trillion cells. <laughs> because well, we have look, to be, say that again. I, 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 don't, I don't know what kind of scientific background you have. However, it is postulated. I mean, what, what, you, what you said is brilliant. Because Thank you. What, what scientists believe is in the course of evolution, what the human body is, or, or any animal body, is really a group of separate critters that decided to work together. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are as this complex human being, which is really one big colony of colonies. Yes. 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 It, well, it came to me one day in spirit as I was trying to teach spirit, soul, body. And I was just challenging the language that we traditionally use. And I just needed to come up with something different. And I said, okay, so I should start doing some research. And as I prayed about it, the idea came to me that the body is a colony of 50 trillion cells. Yeah. And, yes. and, and it was like light bulb moment. And what directs this colony? Consciousness. Yeah, but here's the, here's the clinker. This is where we need to upgrade our teaching yes. because in Myrtle and Charles's time, in fact, all of our new thought founders, it was believed that the mind impacts the body, that the body does not impact the mind. Now right. we know it's a two-way street. So I yep. think of mind or consciousness and body as a unit. Yes. And we can yes. learn how to use our body you have a better consciousness. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so, yeah, we, we're going to have to do another show just on this conversation. So I'll be talking <laughs> to you. Uh, I'll send you a text later today because we have two minutes left. Um, so, But we're going to have to just have a conversation just around this subject because these are the type of conversations I like to have, but I can't have them with everybody. You know, you show up at the family reunion and you start talking about these type of things. Uh, people start oh. looking at you weird. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. So, so, so um, let me let me just share another one of my favorite quotes, which might okay. help people. And this has really helped me 
as a as a gay man and as a man who was infected with AIDS in 1987 when everyone was dying. Look, I'm still here. But this is an important quote. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. Now, I say it today, in my vulnerability, my safety lies. So, So as long as I was guarded and defensive about being a gay man, I was living in fear. And as long as I was guarded and defensive about HIV and didn't want anyone to know, I was living in fear. I, I had to watch my mind. I had to watch what I said because I didn't want people to know. And I decided from this quote that I was going to be defenseless about it. And if people rejected me because of it, because of it I'm cool with that. But I wanted the people that I love that love me to know me, not a Fig Newton of my imagination that I'm trying to project onto them. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, Paul wrote, the other Paul, uh, my yeah, grace is so, sufficient. <laughs> so, so, so when I talk about the other Paul, yeah, I say, he's the real Paul, I'm the faux Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, could you give people just the website one more time to be able yeah. to get in so contact my, you and get the book? Okay, so my my website is paulhasselbeck.com, and you can get to me directly at alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. Albert's my first name. Paul's my middle name. alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. And you can find the book, Unity and A Course in Miracles on Amazon. And of course, it's available soft covered and via record. But thank thank you, Paul. We've run out of time. God bless you. I'll be in contact later this week for us to have a larger conversation around what we talked about. God bless you. Okay. And I'll be with you all next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.